Hello and welcome to the Front Articulturas program on NetNet Radio. We created an open call for self-identifying women and non-binary people from our community to send in audios of themselves talking about what womanhood means to them. Those people are Irma Bejarle, Rachel Bello, and Sina Ditona. We also interviewed Liz Ramirez and Andres Hernandez, as well as an inside look into our current Dia de la Mujer exhibition, Love is in Action, with our guest curator, Monica Hernandez. We hope you enjoy listening to this special episode. What womanhood looks like to me is resilience. The strongest people I know are women of all ages and backgrounds. Womanhood looks like taking action, nurturing, getting stuff done. And I honestly believe that all women are warriors and fighters of different kinds, but fighters nevertheless. Womanhood is strength, fearlessness. We can be ruthless and tough, and we can endure so, so much. Looks like love. It looks like intelligence. What I value and treasure the most is that no matter what, we're also able to keep our softness, and no matter how many times we feel like we've been let down and destroyed, we're able to rise up and keep on going, keep on fighting and keep on giving and sharing and, and spreading nothing but positive things and, and, and love at the end of the day. Womanhood is full of struggles people outside of it could never comprehend, but it's also filled with really special moments unique to women. I think being a woman is one of the toughest things anyone can do in almost all of history. So I think it's badass to those who do that and who do it with pride. Brené Seituno interviewed Andrés Hernández. She is a self-taught visual artist and writer based in Tijuana. She recently had an exhibition at the Hill Street Country Club in Oceanside. Here's what she has to say. Primero, supongo que cuando salí por primera vez del closet, no me gusta ese término, pero lo voy a usar porque es lo más fácil de describir. Pero um, como públicamente, socialmente y a mis padres también, um, me identificaba como un hombre heterosexual. Entonces, a gay man. Uh, y eso fue evolucionando porque yo siempre he sentido um, que no pertenezco a la categoría de hombre. Las palabras como señor, uh, joven, boy, guy, no resuenan conmigo, con mi, como yo me veo en mi cabeza. Entonces, mi género me considera como genderqueer, es una palabra que utilizaba mucho. Y después fue evolucionando como mi identidad a uh, más non-binary trans, porque Uh, no sé, es, es como una progresión natural, supongo. No, siento que um, hay mucha culpa o como mucho miedo de transicionar o identificarte con otro género después de tu adolescencia, porque la mayoría de las personas trans es cuando se dan cuenta de su identidad y para mí fue 
no, sino hasta como los 22, 23 años cuando comencé a decir como que mm, no creo que esto sea para mí. Um, esto de ser hombre, dices. Ajá, sí. Ajá. Socialmente. Um, no sé si me considero totalmente mujer porque para mí el género es tan como... No irrelevante, pero no importante en mi categoría de cómo se supone que debo vivir mi vida. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, gender is weird and I think I'm not fully anything. I'm just like floating around. Yeah, I like to think. Fluid. Yeah. Does that yeah. come out uh, on the day to day, like when you decide to express yourself? Yeah, one for way sure. Or so, that, that's a very interesting topic that I really want to maybe touch on because I think it's not really often talked about. When I was coming to San Diego here, I would see so many people dress differently than I did because they were able to not only be relatively safer um, to an extent and come here and just be themselves around friends and loved ones, um, but I was working like this very exploitative teaching job in which I made no money in Tijuana and I wanted to come here and spend drinks and pay in dollars, <laughs> and which is just a struggle for anyone who knows. Um, trying to kind of have, have, have friends over here and like live your life over here while you're making pesos and like you're not really able to ha have a job in the US because like you're not American and like job visas are so complicated to get as well. Um, so as an artist, that's just like another wall, right? But what I wanted to say about that is, you know, I wasn't able to afford clothes. I was just like able to afford my work uniform. To eat proper meals, I was like eating burritos from OXO like all the time. Um, and, and then I was just like working my ass off and I didn't really have the space to even question the way that I was living. I was living such like an unhappy, rad race, just like spinning wheel, uh, in which I had no time to rest and reflect and be like, hey, do you really want to do this? Do you even know what you like? Do you even know like, who you want to be? And if you want to keep living your, your life this way? And, I'm, and I was like, fuck, I, I don't want to keep doing this. Like, I want to actually get out of the house and feel the sun in my skin and be like, I enjoy my life. You know, like, I don't want to just keep doing stuff because I was told to do so. So I guess that's when art comes in and my gender comes in and like the more I grow into my art, the more I grow into my gender and how I see myself too. Mm -hmm. And each project that I've made has been like a stepping stone towards that, you know? And I think that's where we're at right now. So what, what kind of art are you doing? Um, right now, I just finished an exhibit at the Hill Street Country Club. The name of the exhibit was Crying on the Blue One Trolley, kind of taking reference to the journey that I take from Tijuana to Hillcrest or from to the neighborhood where my partner lives. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, it was just like I, about like. I, I chose the name from this poem that I wrote in 2019 when I was actually um, still employed at my teaching job and like just commuting back and forth because my parents had kicked me out of the house and I was like sort of living with my partner for a month or two while I found like housing. 
uh, but I still had to go to work in Tijuana so like I still had to commute and just like cross back constantly and I obviously I was not in a very good place so I was just like crying all the time and I was crying on the trolley and so like I wrote this poem about waiting on the trolley and kind of like having to contain my tears because I was about to be interviewed by a CBP you know like just like show documents and you're like okay so I have to like I'm just gonna pretend that I'm more emotionally stable until I cross <laughs> to the other side of the border then you, you can know? break down <laughs> yes <laughs> then I can break down um, so that's the name and this exhibit basically was about anti-border imperialism and how that connects to my personal life um, I wanted to build a world in which I could connect uh, both sides of the border with structures that have been imperialistic and like used for military purposes like the freeways like the highways uh, not only because when I when the pandemic was happening and like I wasn't able to cross the border to see my partner or come to San Diego to see my friends because of my nationality um, yeah that was like pretty much the whole reason why I was drawn to talking about the border because it was such a personal thing and I just wanted to convey that in a way that wasn't conventional so this photography project mixes like photo montage, photo montage like um, I just learned that word the other day at a workshop and I'm like oh I should have described my work more like that because it's not really collage and I've been saying collage and collage is usually with other people's photos but all of the photos that are in the show are mine just to <laughs> clarify and I took a bunch of those because I, I was gonna originally do painting so I needed a bunch of um, reference photos from the bridges and, and the borders um, to paint them but you know, I didn't have a lot of time, so I decided to just use the reference photos as the pieces. And that's why it had such a big shift for me, because suddenly from about, I was about to do like a whole painting exhibit and then I shifted um, like last minute to photo and just using the reference photos that I had already taken. And you like yeah. put them on top of each other? Yeah, or? I combined them in a way that are is like, almost seamless and a lot of a lot of people who came to see the exhibit and I was there when they were there didn't realize that they were looking at a lot of photos I, yeah them. like like a, a mixture of two or more photos and I was like trying to point it out and they were like wait what so like it's interesting because people who usually had that reaction at the exhibit was because they weren't familiar with the border area, but there were people who came from Tijuana, who came from Chula Vista, National City, that have seen these highways, that have seen the border, you know, and they were like, they instantly got it, and they were like telling me that it made them feel like really emotional because this is a journey that all of us take pretty much on the regular, and people who have families or loved ones on both sides of the border like see these sceneries constantly, and for them it evokes something that is just very personal but at the same time is so universal and I think I feel really proud that I managed to kind of like find the balance to do that um, because I'm for the most part my early work was like focusing on more like my own personal narrative and being very explicit and diaristic about it through illustration but this work this piece of like this body of work feels more like I was able to abstract my story and put it on, put it on. yeah. Next, we'll be listening to a song by Kim Bird titled Vida.
Kim Bird is part of the collective performance group Las Zapatistas. I celebrate others. I celebrate women by promoting female creators, going with women-run businesses first, and by standing for fellow women in need of my support. I love to empower. I love to make sure other women feel the strength that I feel. And when I don't feel strong, I look up to other women that I know can help me that can help me build up my strength again and make me feel empowered. And that's something that we should all be doing for each other, young and old. Next, we talked to Liz Ramirez, a community organizer and recently named the director of Chicano Federation. Here's what she has to say. I wouldn't, got to, wouldn't have gotten to where I am today without the support of women. Um, uh, really, I think that's something that um, has been so clear to me. Um, just actually, I'll share a quick story. Just this Friday, I uh, was at the first annual uh, Mana de San Diego uh, Legacy Luncheon. Uh, where uh, we honored uh, very powerful women that have made such a great change and continue to make such a great impact in San Diego. And um, the room was filled with so many beautiful faces and it was so great 
to connect with uh, with folks. Uh, many of us have not connected, you know, throughout this whole pandemic, mm -hmm. and so it was the first time we were getting together. But so many women pulled me aside and said, "Liz, you know, congratulations, but more than that." Anything you need, anytime, call me. You have my cell, uh, you can call me for support, right? Even if you just want to talk. Mm -hmm. um, whatever it is, how can I help you? Um, and that really has been what I've been feeling all throughout the process of interviewing. Um, and even in my career, as I continue to move, I have you know, had the wonderful opportunity to connect with very, very strong, intelligent women. Um, and I've been so grateful that these women are, you know, such an inspiration. Uh, but, you know, when we talk about being at the table, uh, they're the ones that are pulling the chair aside and bringing you to the table as well. Um, so not just for themselves, but making sure that there are more women, you know, um, at the at the table, and like Nora Vargas, uh, supervisor Nora Vargas, said this on Friday. She said, not even at the table, but being, you know, the at the head of the table, right? And so um, that, to me, has been um, such an inspiration. Where women um, have helped me all throughout my education and throughout my career. Um, and I hope to do the same to you know for other uh, young leaders and, and, and women as well. Um, on that note, uh, how would you say you celebrate other women? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think as as women, uh, we should always celebrate each other, right? Um, celebrate our logos, um, celebrate our businesses, right? Um, um, really connect with one another, um, volunteer. Um, I'm a mentor to, through the Mana de San Diego uh, Hermanitas program, I've been a mentor for five years to the same uh, Hermanita. Uh, we were paired when she was in seventh grade, she's now an 11th grader, um, and it's been so much fun to connect with her and watch her grow throughout the years. And so that to me is a form of celebration, connecting with her, you know, on a weekly basis. Um, and I learned so much from her um, and uh, every single day, right? And so to me, just connecting and being in community with other, other women, um, it's a celebration. Every day we should celebrate each other. So I'm sure you kind of think about this a lot since, you do, since you're a mentor. What advice do you have for like younger women and generations, you know? We're kind of going into this new age where we're defining womanhood ourselves into like, we're kind of morphing our own ideas into it. Um, yeah, just like what advice would you give? Yeah, I actually was speaking with uh, one of my mentors, um, Idara is her name, um, very amazing woman. Um, and we had a conversation about confidence, uh, right? And She's very passionate about helping women as well uh, and connecting women, but particularly talking about confidence. Um, and so for, for women, you know, I see that uh, often uh, people want to put us in a box, right? And, and so my advice is, you know, no one defines womanhood other than you.
box um, and so you can you know jump out of the box you can you know bring your own box um, but really I you know I think that women really you know run this world and, and women have so much to give um, and they are so worthy um, and so for women out there to say you know go go for it um, go for it and believe in yourself and, and know that you are already making such a difference and such an impact just by being here. As part of Las Zapatistas, here's Verde's song, Saving the People. Beat the beat up, defeat the evil, swipe my steel out, I'm saving the people. Saving the people, saving the people. Boom box on the black top, juking on the jam rock. Second block, another brother getting shot. But you know, another crooked cop, gun cocked, locked and loaded. Popping poets with the finest focus. Contemplated suicide, emphasize the genocide. Mankind, tell our bites, tells lies. See a vision till you realize. Third eye, paradise, not a part of this fucking parasite. Feminine flowetry, heaven said, could it be one opportunity? Gathering unity into the community. Speaking in the native tongue quite fluently. I can see the you and me. I can see the you and me. There is corruption in the currency. Can't catch a see. No raggedy You feel the secrecies in my frequencies I can see the you and me I can see the you and me There is corruption in the currency Can't catch a see Can't catch a see Industry leading you and me to division In every creed, breed, color, religion Make the Catholic hate the Christian America is a rich man's vision But a poor man's prison What? Beat the evils, swank my steel out. I'm saving the people, saving the people, saving the people. The people unequal, there's jewels and the demons screaming. Where do I find meaning in the world full of trees and repeating? Beating the senators, genitals took them off the height pedestal. Fuck your federal, credible, impeccably impeccable. Representing feminine, fuck your dead presidents. Fiddle with the synonyms, woman is goddesses, social solitude. System. Isolate me to the solar system I don't wanna be a victim of this victory Misery music singing my symphony To the Statue of Liberty Watching you rappers putting your dick inside the rap industry What an epitome Spitting this differently So the violence won't cycle under vinyl I'm in denial of using the rifle These are my survival tactics The fact is they be steady clapping When you rapping about bitches, hoes, and asses Stick your tongue on some acid While I move the masses survival tactics, bitch. Beat the be 
So I guess that's when art comes in and my gender comes in and like the more I grow into my art, the more I grow into my gender and how I see myself too. Mm -hmm. And each project that I've made has been like a stepping stone towards that, you know? And I think that's where we're at right now. I've tried to consume more content that is made by women and taking a deep dive in all kinds of artwork that have been obscured throughout history. I celebrate the diversity in womanhood because that's what really makes a community of people thrive, being one's own individual self. I've tried uh, seeking out voices of women artists that have been silenced through art history. Creating spaces, creating an environment, like a vulnerability and just, that's how I see my own gender myself and learn from other women artists in my field, either those that are just starting out like me and are in the same race that I am, as well as those artists that have longer trajectories and have, have walked the path that I'm embarking on. Knowing other artists and talking about, you know, this, this work is about my fears, this work is about my childhood, this work is about who I am, you know? All of these very important things that every human deserves to explore. I wasn't doing that and art allowed me to do that, you know, to truly find myself. So that's how I connected to my gender. A lot of platforms and a lot of projects have come out funded by women for women and that are opening up the space for us, for our voices to be heard and are speaking as, an, as a women artist for our vision to be seen. And now, here's a look into our current Dia de la Mujer exhibition, Love is in Action, with our guest curator, Monica Hernandez. So the first Dia de la Mujer celebration, uh, which was called Mujeres Fuerte Como el Amor, Women Bold as Love, took place 15 years ago on International Women's Day, March 8, 2008. And basically it was a response to the lack of spaces and support that was available uh, particularly to BIPOC women and non-binary artists, and particularly in historically marginalized communities like, like ours. So um, because there was this lack of space and support, we decided to go ahead and, and create that for ourselves. So the very first exhibition uh, was a collective of, of uh, women that was very community-driven, and we put together a space where we could support one another and do so coming from a space of love. So that was the, the intent and, and what we set forth to do with the very first Dia de la Mujer. So for this particular um, exhibition, we had 20 established artists and we had 19 emerging artists. Uh, emerging or, or new, actually, there was probably like about uh, five or six of those artists who were exhibiting their artwork for the very first time. And that's such an important piece to this particular type of exhibition um, because a lot of women, and you know, I, I speak from experience, you know, we need that extra push or support um, to build up that confidence to be able to get to a place where we're able to confirm that we are good enough to 
be represented on the walls of an art gallery exhibit. And through the years, it's been amazing how so many women um, that are now very well-known artists, cultural workers, gallery owners started or got their start um, with exhibiting first at one of our Dia de la Mujer events. It was really cool to see too how many artists from both sides of the border participated. Uh, we had six artists from San Isidro in the South Bay, three from Barrio Logan, 13 from all over San Diego, nine from Tijuana, plus one from Ensenada. We had four from various parts of, of LA, one from the Central Valley, another one from Oakland. And we even had an artist that sent us her art pieces from Ukraine. It was really inspiring to see how this group of artists took on um, many themes that range from everything from identity, relationships, relationships with our mothers, with ourselves, with our partners, uh, issues of intergenerational trauma, domestic violence, drug abuse, heartbreak, loss. And they were able to transform and contextualize that into this notion of, of love being an action and, and overcoming a lot of a lot of these things and, and the re resiliency that we have as, as mujeres, as people. And so um, it, it's really uh, an amazing um, body of work. Um, particularly, I was very moved by so many of the artists who um, lost loved ones during the pandemic and how art, you know, was, was a form for them to um, engage in that healing process. I was also very moved by uh, one artist uh, from Ukraine. Uh, she was a photojournalist, and I'm sure she must have had so much um, that she could have submitted from her body of work, but uh, she chose to send us a picture of photographs of her friends, her friend's kids, and her dog. And the reason for that is uh, she wanted to let it be known that those are the things she loved. And in the context of, you know, everything that's happening right now in the Ukraine and um, and in just in the world in general, I thought that was that was very bold and, and moving to really just go back to the basics of, of what it is that means a lot to us. This exhibition also had two very um, amazing pieces, installation pieces. Uh, the first one was put together by a collective called Choque, Art in Motion. And that collective consists of Berenice Badillo, uh, Ana Maria Herrera, Jennifer Clay, Sandra Carmona, and Selena Calvo. And that particular uh, piece or installation uh, it had a couple of components to it. It, it. You have to really come in and see it. It's really amazing. Uh, it has uh, Lizzo Escoyo Chapley, and, and it speaks to um, the healing of the self that has been severed and recovering, you know, notions of self. Um, and then, you know, another piece of that installation piece um, was bringing awareness to the unprecedented number of... Um, of Canadian and Native women, uh, Indigenous mujeres that have been taken or murdered and are not receiving the necessary attention 
that it deserves. Um, so it was it was an amazing piece, and and I hope you can really come out and and experience that. The other uh, installation piece that was also very amazing and innovative um, was done by uh, Reason to Survive Art, um, and it was led by you know Yvette Roman Bañuelos and her collective. And so basically that was an interactive uh, postcard exhibition that started at the front and um, it was like this tendedero like, um, of postcards. And these postcards were created by, I believe, like 12 local female artists. And basically the intent behind that, it was um, calling in people that were there to see the exhibit on the opening night to write these uh messages or words of encouragement um, just in general for other women so then these uh, postcards were hung in this installation piece and now that particular installation piece has been moved um, to the gallery to the arts gallery the recent survive arts gallery in national city and that's going to be up uh, for a display i believe until april it feels really good to see that 15 years later, this event is still growing. It's still very much embraced by community and artists. And so for our quinceañera, for our 15th anniversary, uh, we were paying homage to the first um, Dia de la Mujer, which was, you know, Women Bold as Love. Um, but where we took it was with the theme of Love is an Action, Amor en los Tiempos de la Pandemia. So we wanted artists to think about where we're at right now um, under these unprecedented times of, of a global pandemic and um, these times that have brought us a lot of uncertainty and anxiety and despair, but have also given us that time to reflect and to really think about um, how we're living and how our ways of living and treating one another are, are they dismantling or supporting systems of oppression? Are our ways of inhabiting the planet protecting it or are they contributing to its unsustainability? So some, those are just you know, some of the things that, that we wanted the artists to engage and explore in their art pieces. In curating this event, you know, I really wanted to pay homage to the amazing activist scholar, Bill Hooks, uh, who challenged us to think of love as an action and I really like this quote of hers that um, that she says that the moment we choose to love, we begin to move against domination and oppression and act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. So for her, you know, um, thinking about love as an action is within itself a, a revolutionary thing. And that's the the intent that we wanted to put out there when, when putting this event together. And that's what we were hoping that artists would explore and engage with um, with their artworks. And they definitely were up to the task. We had some amazing uh, pieces that were submitted. And also the beauty of this particular exhibit was that we had artists from um, from many different places not only physically, but um, across different disciplines, uh, across different skill levels, which was something that we did with the very first Dia de la Mujer, was um, creating a space where we had emerging with new artists 
exhibiting at the same time, which is something that's not very common. Womanhood is a vast mixture of positive and negative experiences. Since the very beginning, women are born into certain expectations and ancestral bindings that we spend the rest of our lives trying to break free from, uh, along with those that we adopt and carry throughout our lives, whether consciously or not. Being a woman isn't always easy. I've been demeaned for presenting myself as a woman. But the strength that we share and the empowerment that we give each other and the love that we give each other. And I've been made to feel empowered when I'm appreciated as a woman. Love is such a symbol of strength in that fight that we as women have to keep on enduring through our lives. That's what being a woman is. I don't know if it's, if it's close to the border or my family dynamics or my background, right? But I definitely did grow up with a lot of machismo. You know, came from um, a home. I'm, I'm the oldest, uh, so aside from being the only uh, girl in the family, I'm the oldest. Um, and so, I remember sharing my story a couple of times of how um, incredibly supportive my father is uh, in all aspects of my life. Um, he's one of my best friends and he was always um, such an advocate for higher education. Um, I remember when I was in middle school coming home one day and I had an A minus in a progress report. And he was like, what is the A minus, right? Uh, you need to work on that and make it an A. So he was always such an advocate for education. And so I was so surprised when I got my acceptance letters as a 17 and 18 year old. Um, you know, I got big envelope after big envelope and um, and when it came down to making the decision of where I was going to go to college, um, my dad was like, absolutely not, you're not leaving home, right? Um, and I remember I was in shock, you know, at the beginning. I had worked so hard. He had been such an advocate, so I was so confused. Why is, has he had this change of heart mm -hmm. all of a sudden, right? Um, to not make the story longer, I ended up, uh, you know, thankfully had the support of my mom. Uh, and my parents have a great relationship, great marriage. Uh, but this one time, my mom, you know, she had my back. And uh, in my family, you don't go against each other. But this time, she was like, I'm going to support my daughter. Um, and with her support, I, I left to go to go to school, to come to school at UC San Diego. My dad, I think it took him a couple of quarters for him to talk to me again. Um, and that was just the hardest time, right? I was having a hard, difficult time adjusting to a whole new city, adjusting to an environment where I didn't feel like, like I belonged, right, at UC San Diego. Um, and, and then adjusting to being away from my family, feeling homesick, but also feeling like I couldn't call that one person that was one of my best friends and always there for me. 
Um, and so now we talk about it, and I'm like, remember dad? Remember when that happened? And, and he's like, I was just trying to protect my little girl, right? But he was raised that way, mm -hmm. right? He was raised, you know, um, um, to, uh, raised, you know, in a culture where women don't leave the house, right, until marriage, uh, or don't leave the house to, you know, go to college. And so when it came down to it, he was scared, right? Um, but I think, uh, again, you know, I'm so lucky to have uh, a lot of very strong women uh, that are not afraid to combat that and challenge that. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, you know, what womanhood means to me particularly, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I think I was so blessed to be raised by two very, very powerful women, both of my abuelas. They were the matriarchs of the family. Lost their husbands at a very, you know, early um, age. Um, one of my abuelas had 11 children and the other one had seven children. All I know, you know, from when I was born was how hard they worked to really to survive and provide for their children. And I was so fortunate to have been raised by that example. That women, sacamos a la familia adelante, you know, and, and, and women are, you know, the pillar of of their families, of their of their community, and that to me has been such an inspiration to always aim to to grow and to know. I think I, I always at a young age knew that um, anything I could set my mind to, I could accomplish. Right, and that's because I had women like my grandmas and like my mom and my tias and now so many mentors in the community that have shown me that. So I think that that's uh, what I'm very, very thankful for, to have had a strong community of, of women. There's this quote in the movie Jurassic Park. This male scientist says, God creates dinosaurs, God destroys dinosaurs, God creates man. Man destroys God, man creates dinosaurs. And then the prominent female scientist in the movie responds with, dinosaurs eat man, woman inherits the earth. And I really like that quote because it's up for interpretation of the viewer. And to me, it kind of just speaks on the perseverance of woman. She's basically saying, women always find a way. And that's what I've always believed to be the truth. So in a perfect world where everyone is just able to live sustainably, I guess, uh, without having to have their immediate, like, physical and, like, basic needs met, and everyone's just, like, able to enjoy life instead of being in this, like, rat race, like we were talking about, um, everyone would just have, like, a lot more freedom to explore themselves and be creative and uh, nurture themselves and love themselves so yeah I think that's my answer okay so let's do a little exercise let's put this in play yeah so let's close our eyes 
everything that's around us is falling to the side. We have no more street there, no more coffee bar behind us, just kind of like an empty space. And today we can do whatever we want and look like however we want to look like. So how would you look like and what would you do today? Hmm. I'm going to take inspiration and say that I would be wearing exactly what I'm wearing right now because I really like my outfit today. <laughs> uh, for those listening, I'm wearing this like really cool dragon shirt that my boyfriend, uh, well, I bought for my boyfriend, but then I decided to wear today. Um, and I'm wearing like my amethyst bracelet with like uh, my leojo um, bracelet my boots and like this beautiful skirt that's like embroidered and um, has like a really cool blue pattern. So that's how I would look because I really like how I look today. Um, thank you. <laughs> and based on my outfit, I think I would like go to like a field of flowers and just like frolic around. <laughs> that's like very much what I'm feeling because I'm also wearing like a bandana on my head um so yeah i feel like i need i just need like a, a basket and just like go dance around somewhere and like there's music playing in the background but it's coming from everywhere you know that's what i would do today um and then at night maybe go get like a martini somewhere i don't Ooh. know because like last night my friend raquel made us martinis and i don't know i feel like i i, I need another one it's sultry <laughs> yeah drinks, but my favorite <laughs> yeah very cool I love that. So we go picking wildflowers. Yeah. I like that. And then have a drink at night. <laughs> have a drink in the evening. Yeah. It's a perfect day. In front of the sunset or something, you know? <laughs> something cliche to end the day. Yeah. And nothing exists and let people come and talk to you and say, what kind of flowers did you pick today or something? Yeah. Like I'll be like, yeah, I had some carnations are here. I'm so excited to make like, a flower crown with them. <laughs> yeah. Very much that vibe. I'm feeling the earthy, I'm feeling yeah. the earthy tones now, I love Yeah, it. it's the Virgo, the Virgo moon right now, <laughs> I'm also a Virgo, so like, of course, um, but yeah. Also a part of Las Zapatistas, here's Nicole McFly's song, El Llanto del Migrante.
corazón y tu ritmo, tu risa, alegría Eres todo un trabajador Dios te puso en este cuerpo Y la vida es bien injusta, lo sé Pero arriba la cabeza, mi reina Que este muro va a caer Mexicanos, arriba las manos Que nuestro canto les ayude a sanar su dolor Tu sazón y tu risa, tu ritmo, alegría Somos todo un trabajador is how crossing the border I have to wear something that is at least a little bit more masculine. I usually wear all black when I cross the border now just I want to be the least noticed person there I just want to like go through um, so I'll just wear like a jacket and like black pants and that's it and well I'll wait until it's 11 p.m. to cross the border because I don't want to wait for hours at the border so I usually wait very late at night so obviously can't be like dressed very casually or very showing a lot of skin or like in a weird way that it will draw a lot of attention because I just wanna like not get in trouble and be safe I guess so there you just you can't think about who you want to be at all you just have to think about safety like you go into that back mm -hmm. in that survivalism mode yeah like just keep yourself alive for example like my parents don't really know how i identify they know i'm queer they know i'm gay that's it but you would never even broach the conversation of trans to them mm -mm. no never so that's like like imagine me dressing however i want and then like they're at the plaza or somewhere at the streets you know like with my little sisters and they're like hi what are you doing why are you dressed like this? You know, it's just kind of like, ugh. I don't want to go in there. <laughs> I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to have that conversation at all. I love my parents, uh, but they can be a little bit dramatic, I guess. <laughs> That's the best way to describe it. No offense if my parents are listening to this. I love you. You can be dramatic. You know, they had a lot of issues when I came out as gay. Mainly, they said that they were accepting, but of course, there's this also underlining thing that they said that was like, just don't tell anyone else. You know? And I'm like, oh. I already told all my friends and like I'm living my life. You're the last person to know. And they're like, wait, we're the last person to know? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, why didn't you tell us first? I'm like, you never made me feel safe enough to tell you. You know, I never felt safe enough around you because all the things that you said and the things that you did and the, how you judged people and how you judged me when I expressed myself truly as who I am. You know, so. That's a lot of growth that they've been going through and like letting their children kind of be free. Um, 
and make their own decisions and have their own agency and have their own say on how they want to live and how they want to present themselves. I have like, I guess, that fear of bringing something else up, you know? First it was, I'm gay, then it was like, I want to be an artist and now, you know, it's just... It's just exhausting, and I'm like, I don't have to explain myself. Why do I have to? Like, everyone else does not have to do this. This day and age, there's no room for cattiness, for pettiness, for hate. We need to embrace each other, hold each other up, love one another, cheer each other on. I feel like bodies are such battlefields. We place so much hate onto them and don't take care of them. And I don't remember when I started viewing my body in such a negative point of view and hating it, but I know that it's been since I was a very young child. And it's one of those things that have not been taught to me explicitly, but rather something that I have, these standards, these beauty standards are something that I have absorbed throughout my life. Everyone can teach us something, and we can teach everyone else something. I think as long as we keep that in mind, we are able to grow, not only as a human, but as a woman. An act of rebellion of mine against these very these same beauty standards and this masculine point of view from which we value female bodies has just been embracing myself and stop wasting so much precious time out of my life in thinking negatively about my body because in the end when I start hating my body is when those standards win and those companies and the patriarchy that have placed those standards of, upon us that's when I let them win so I choose to love myself and this vessel that I'm in rather than focusing on the physical I, I try to see my value from what's inside of me, my mind and what I have to say, my heart and how I share affection, how I give affection. Not only is it what being a woman is, but it's what we're teaching our young women to be. Be the example. Show them how a woman should be, how we should empower each other how should we respect one another how we should hold each other up we are examples to the younger generation and younger generation you're an example to the next young generation of women so be that pillar of strength be that pillar of empowerment be that friend when those young young women come to you looking for advice, looking for help, share it. What you struggle with today can help someone tomorrow. Celebrate the women that you stand with. Celebrate that woman that raised you. Celebrate womanhood. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Front Arte Cultura. If you'd like to visit the front, our gallery hours are Monday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. No reservations are required.